y'all. Alexis here from First Year Project, the podcast sharing the stories behind the good, bad, and integral aspects of first year experiences. Super thank you to everyone who came through and supported Grow Your Planted in any and all of the ways. Everything was truly, truly special. So thank you. Thank you to the team for all of the hard work on Grow Where You're Planted, to our event sponsors and vendors that you can learn much more about by following us on social media and also following the hashtag GWYP. Special shout out to Leo the Kind for working really hard on the audio editing and uh, helping us out with that. In case you don't know, Grow Your Planted is a woman of color panel conversation and community building experience on starting where you are, using what you have, and growing your ideas. Honored to have our truly amazing panel of women, including Heather White, CEO of Trillfit and lifestyle brand marketer at HubSpot's Inbound, uh, previously at New Balance, Puma, and Karma Loop. Recently, Heather was featured in Boston Magazine with the likes of District Attorney Rachel Rollins, Red Sox manager Alexa Cora, and Boston's own Cousin Stiz. Also, Chelsea Wilkins, influence and culture marketing manager at Pernod Ricard, uh, who is driving the brand and event sponsorship, as well as the lifestyle marketing for Avion, Martel, and Jameson. Previously, Chelsea was at MTV and Columbia Records, and while at Columbia Records, she worked on social and digital campaigns for Solange's critically acclaimed A Seat at the Table and other major projects. Also, Sabrina Shadhari, co-founder of Stay Silent PVD, a major events and marketing agency based in Providence and one of the driving forces behind New England's creative scene. So if you've never swag surfed at PVD Fest or made the perfect memory partying with thousands of others um, at the music festival Day Trill, then you're truly missing out. Um, The Rhode Island native has also worked with brands and artists such as BET Music Matters, DJ Paul of 36 Mafia, Pastry Shoe Company, and many more. And then last but certainly not least, Kiana Fitzgerald, music journalist and DJ with bylines from outlets like The Rolling Stones, NPR, Complex, The Fader, and much more. From her writing, Megan Thee Stallion's most recent iconic paper magazine cover story to her timeless music review of Beyonce's Lemonade, Kiana's writing draws people in with her honesty and thoughtfulness, often centering her love for blackness, music, and a sense of home. The Texas native was previously an associate editor at Complex and did all things digital media, pop culture, and music at NPR. Before we get right into the interview, um, just a friendly reminder to make sure to go to firstyearproject.com and uh, follow us on social at firstyearprj to see the digital tour of Growing Your Planted, um, to see the digital portrait lookbook. Um, videos, recaps, and everything grow where you're planted. Um, and you can also follow the hashtag GWYP as well. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so I know each of you personally. Um, and in addition to loving your work and admiring your work over the years, I also know that each of you started, whether it was on a personal project 
for an early internship that really helped you like get your start. So can you talk to me a bit about those early years and what was your first or like early project or internship or work experience that inspired you to like get started in the first place? Anybody can go anywhere. Okay. Um, I got my start at New York Music in 2013. I was an intern for the digital media department and I really thought I was going to go in there and just start writing in the store, but they were like, no, we're going to adapt stories that other people bring to the radio and just put them in. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, man. And after that, they needed a production assistant for the holidays, so I did that for about a month. And then once I started that, that's when they were like, okay, we need somebody to like write this, write this, write this. And that's when I started to transition from just an intern to like an actual writer. Um, my, I felt like my first like big break or the opportunity that I got was when I got a job at Karma Loop. So, uh, who here used to shop at Karma Loop? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> so, especially being in Boston, going to school at the time, and getting a job literally on the marketing team at Karma Loop felt like the biggest privilege of my life because for the first time I really felt like I was working for the culture that I supported my entire life. And to get paid to do that felt like the biggest privilege ever. Um, I was a poetry major, I had no marketing background, like no, no real like skill set for the job, except that I was hungry and I lobbied for the job for a long time until Greg was finally like, okay, you're hired, like come on. Um, so for me, uh, I started working on a program on YouTube before hollers were a thing, before influencers were a thing, and we were able to take a small program and scale it to a million dollars over a course of like three to four months. And that was the biggest break for me because it showed me that it didn't matter that I didn't have the traditional experience to go and do the thing. It just mattered that I had mentors and advocates around me who could help me and teach me what I didn't know. And that as long as I applied it and as long as I worked hard, I could still do the same thing. It was the first time I really learned that like, it didn't matter that I didn't go to B school, I didn't have a marketing background, I didn't have the same traditional school experience that other people had. I was given a shot and I was able to learn from the people around me to actually that 
we needed events. Like Greek Week for the white folks on campus was, you know, funded, supported, huge, and we really didn't have much. We had like MLK Day, which wasn't fun um, at the time, and it's gotten a lot better, but I think when we were on campus, it was that recognition of like, if we don't carve out spaces for ourselves, they're not going to do it for us, and they're also not going to make the conversation happen where we can start to see what we need for ourselves. So quickly, um, I think that was when I recognized that like, we have all of the resources, and that's really what's the inspiration behind Stay Silent and the work we do today, is that all we need to know is that there is a place, a necessary place, for people of color, black people, first-generation Americans, immigrants, and I think that's been the driving force, and that moment was when it was sparked on um, now, when was the moment that you realized you were good at the thing that you did? Like, can you tell me more about either that day or that moment? Like, when did you realize, I'm kind of good at this. Like, I, like, I can do this, do this. I think for me, it was like, it was the day that I had to present about this, like, holler program to my boss, the Andrew Robinson. Shout out to know that it was the Andrew in this room. Um, and I was walking him through my equations in Excel for the program, and it showed that there was a 24 to 1 return, which is massive. Um, so massive that he was like, is your math right? Like, let's double check. And, and he didn't do it in like a belittling way, but it was one of those moments where it's like, let's go through this together, let's see what this looks like. And the numbers were right, and we were both shocked. And I think that was the moment for me that I realized, do you know what, again, I don't have this background that everyone else has, but I was able to build a program based on a hunch and based on some support that other people gave me, that gave me 24x what I put into it. And then I realized, okay, maybe I can test and scale something. I obviously just made this company a lot of money. Maybe I can keep doing it. And I think that was the light bulb turning on to be like, I think I know how to monetize marketing programs and branded programs to add value to a company. That was a really, really good question. And something that I think there's probably been different moments for me where I felt like success came from the work I put in. But I think the turning point for me was when I stopped feeling like I was forcing shit. Like when I felt like I was able to do be myself 100% in the work I'm doing, it was a recognition of like, this is the right place for me. Not necessarily that like I'm good or bad at it, because I feel like there's still so much to be done, but that I'm in a place that is worth So like being an entrepreneur for me is that place. So as soon as I took the jump from working for clients and having all of the other projects going on and I started focusing energy on something that was mine, it felt like this is for you and I felt comfortable in that place um, For me, there are a few points that I can kind of like direct myself toward, but the main one happened in 2016. I don't know if it was like right before or after we did I wrote about Blood Orange's Freetown Sound album for Brooklyn Magazine. That was the first time that I really incorporated my personal writing with like music writing. And I knew that I had done it right because Blood Orange's personality is fun. He doesn't really fuck with people like that. And he retweeted it and was like, it's hard to touch me. And that was like the first time I was like, oh my god, I can do this. Right. 
Brands Company, working on brands I've never worked on before. I actually don't come from the brand side before because I was in the music industry, so I was really intimidated and feeling like, oh, I don't know if like what I have to offer is gonna really matter here. Um, but now I'm seeing like the culture is so important and faces like me and minds like me are so important and like here like, all the time. And now I'm like, uh -uh, I'm giving y'all too much. Like, <laughs>
it's fitting that today is the day after Daytrail because I think that Daytrail, which is the summer festival we throw in Providence, is was that moment of like, okay, we're gonna do this for real. And for us, we started Daytrail. So 
culture. I think the moment I remember, it's still sort of happening, the moment I realized like, how important we are. Um, but just being invited to meetings that people at my level aren't being invited to, um, ask for, for my advice, where should we show up at, where should we go, who do we need to connect with. Uh, I'm learning now that like there's a lot of, again, power in my voice and that. Definitely. What's one truth you wish someone uh, told you about work and money? That was a good question, huh? <laughs> Don't take what was behind you and put it in front of you. Say that again, please. Don't take what was behind you and put it in front of you. I say that because I had jobs where I was making certain amount. And then I, I did that because, you know, I went to the movies, and I went to the hospital, and I went to the hospital, um, So I did that, went to Texas, came back, and then I did a fellowship for, like, chum change. And then I went to my next job, and I was like, well, I got 10K more here, so that, that was me up there summer, right? Little did I know, dudes did next week to make, like, 14 k more. Um, so, um, because I went into it, like, I was making this amount, and I just want to make this amount, I screwed myself over. I should have talked to other people. I should have done some research. I should have just done anything else except for just take the first off. I didn't negotiate. I didn't do shit. So, like, definitely negotiate, do your research, talk to people, do everything you can in your house, get with your work. Because these people are not going to They are not going to So, take For me, it was, um, people say it's rude to talk about money. And I think that was the biggest, like, the worst thing you can say.
here. I was at dinner at Eastern Standard with my friend Abigail from the Far Life Complex. Um, we're having drinks and I get a call from my landlord. And we're like half drunk and I'm like, bitch, hi. <laughs> Right, because we all have those as well that 
you were learning and growing from in your field? I have one that I tell a lot. This is a similar story with Mitch. Uh, he's, he's a constant figure that we'll talk about. Um, but so once we once we realized, okay, we have the money, we can do this, we're gonna build this, we sign a letter of intent, you know, we hand over the money to like reserve the space, the space is like ours, I'm like, okay, this like this is awesome. Um, in my mind, I had a vision and a plan for what I wanted this space to look like. We knew that it was gonna be fitness, it was gonna be a hair salon, it was gonna be like a place for the culture, it was gonna be incredible. And so Mitch had asked me a couple of times, he was like, you know, oh, so do we have plans, like what are the plans looking
we're ready to go. We got a truck to roll with it. I mean, I'm just a double triple checker, triple checker. I like to make sure everything's working. But when it's something like that, I definitely learned like just take it and run. And it's funny now, but like at the time, I wanted to die. I was just like, <laughs> it's not even, like it wasn't like money loss. It was just like an opportunity for me. So just considering like that. Yeah. 
associate we ever had, they were like, what are you doing? Like, you need something? And it was a reminder not to, like, put out energy that we really don't want because it would have been real easy to go get our copyright back in lots of ways that would have hurt our business. Um, but we knew that there was another way. But the craziest thing was, like, a Twitter sandstorm started after that. So, like, this kid made a video. I swear to God. Just search Daytrail, hashtag, hashtag Daytrail on Twitter. Go real deep last summer. He made a video dressed up as the Joker. I swear to God. I would just <laughs>
crazy. Again, David, I'm sorry. Um, but I always have been spiritual, but I never practiced with it. And as soon as my dad died, it was like God was like, all right, remember, like, you need to make space for me. Like, you need to make it make sense. You need to make space for me. I need you. You need me. We need to have this relationship. And I don't, still don't know what that all looks like yet, but I know that my relationship with God is far more important than the only reason I can, I've done anything in the last two months is I have not processed shit, so it's all God.
that a sound complaint stop us from providing him access to health and wellness and black people. Everything. 
sold out of the Daytona in two and a half hours. 2,500 tickets, no headliners, no nothing. The DJ lineup was even out. And I think that was just like an immediate reminder. And then the next week, um, my business partner DJs under the name Where's Nasty, and he DJs for Tuesday Palooza. And so they hosted uh, the private after party for Jay and Beyonce's tour in New York, and Jay spun it. And so they called Jason. Also, Beyonce personally took me off the list. So I was so excited that I was uninvited by Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like invited, and she's like, they're like, Beyonce can even tell like everybody. And I was like, word, I don't even care. <laughs> I don't want to have a conversation that's going to make me stressed out. 
go to bed right now. Like, all these things that I am like, if I just ignore it, maybe it'll go. And like, I just do so much shit that feels bad so often, way more often than I know I should. And then at the end of it, I'm like, I didn't feel good about any of that. But everybody else is happy as hell. So it's like, just, I need to stop. A lot of women need to stop. My mother needed to stop 70 years ago. She's still doing it. I'm not gonna be my mother. Like, we, I'm not. Like, all right, we're gonna lift you back up. I'm 
have a conversation and pitch, even pitch. And shout out to Jada from 47 because here right now I'm calling you For me, 
only way that we're going to do it is if other people around us are looking at us saying, we thought, we thought they, like, they need you, like you said, they need you, and we are, we don't need them. That's the so much for listening to first year project y'all for past episodes newsletters and updates follow first year project on twitter and instagram at first year prj p is in paul r is in ryan j is in john 
and click the link in the bio for quick access to creative and dope content for millennials. A link to subscribe to First Year Project's newsletter is included in the show notes. The First Year Project podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Acast. Today's background intro music was My Night, and the outro music was Jason, both by Chantal Acta. You can find her at Chantal Acta on SoundCloud. You can follow me at underscore Alexis Claytor. Until next time, y'all.